For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Tiger fans, welcome to episode 49 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of every new episode. Apple users, rate and review the show, and everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. Hosting the show with me today are Charles Bishop and Chris Neely. Hey, guys. Hey, how you hey, doing? Hey, Corey. How's it going, man? I am doing well and ready for another exciting show with an amazing guest. It's definitely an honor to have uh, this person on. We are joined today by a historian and legend when it comes to sports journalism in the state of Mississippi. He is a 12-time Mississippi Sports Writer of the Year and the most awarded sports writer in the state's history. He's also a Mississippi Sports Hall of Fame inductee, along with a host of other accolades, none other than Mr. Rick Cleveland. Welcome to the show. Uh, Glad to be with you. If you're trying to say I'm old, you're right about that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm saying you are wise and well accomplished. Yeah, I appreciate it. I'm old, too. <laughs> we'll, we'll take it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, well, it's an honor for us to, to be on with you today. And uh, let, let's start with, with this COVID-19 crisis, which has been the story of 2020. And uh, you've been covering sports for over 40 years. And that's not to say you're old. That's just, that's just to say you've been covering sports for over 40 years for a while. But uh, yeah. there obviously has never been anything quite like this. So uh, can you talk to us about how it's affected you personally in terms of covering sports and your daily routine, as well as, uh, I guess, just your your prevailing thoughts on the pandemic? Well, I mean, it's, you know, I'm like everybody else. And uh, we've been staying at home. I, I have not eaten in a restaurant since, what, February? Uh, wow. um, yeah, I, I mean, we, we, we're trying to be careful. We're, wearing masks and gloves and doing what you're supposed to do. I wish everybody would. Um, we're, we're, uh, as far as covering sports, you know, right now there, there's, there's just not much. We were just starting what was a really promising college baseball season in Mississippi. And, uh, and then it was, you know, it was cut off now. Like everybody else, I'm trying to figure out whether they're going to play, whether we're going to play high school and college football this this season. And uh, honestly, every day that passes and every day the numbers go up, it looks less and less likely to me. Rick, let me ask this question uh, in terms of 
uh, and theoretically speaking, uh, the, 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 there is a lot of talk nationally about uh, potentially moving uh, the fall sports season to the spring uh, season. Uh, is that something that can potentially work? Or I know we're we're in unprecedented times, but uh, what does the sports look like going forward? Sure, I, I wish you know. I wish I knew. Uh, I do think that moving it to the spring would be a last resort. Uh, but at the same time, if if, if the numbers keep if if the, if the numbers don't get better. And there's not a vaccine, uh, you know, before the end of the year. I, I, I just don't see how that it won't happen. I, I, if I was a betting man right now, I think I would bet on, on football delaying to the spring. Not necessarily the NFL, but college football certainly. I mean, you know, they're just having voluntary workouts right now, and you know, at colleges across the country, they're having multiple players, uh, athletes, student athletes, who are uh, testing positive. Mm. Uh, you know, you know. Let's just say the first week of the season, who does Jackson State got first uh, on the schedule this year? We had Lane up first, and I think that one has already been canceled. Yeah, that's right. already been canceled. Well, mm-hmm. whoever it is, is it Tennessee State second? And, and, Tennessee and then that's State. another girl. That, one, that one's off the schedule. Yeah, so, and then, well, there's two right there, and then you go to the, the, the third week, and let's say that they have an out, the, the team that's supposed to come to Jackson has an outbreak uh, on campus that week. You know, there's just so many uncertainties, and um, I don't think right now we don't we we know how many students are even going to be on campus, uh, mm-hmm. how many actual classes there are going to be. Uh, I just don't I don't see it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and it, I hate it, but I just don't see how with with the current numbers and everything that we that we can play. But I do think that you know. Where the SEC is concerned, and you're, you're talking, you're getting into millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, I think State and Ole Miss both got forty, almost forty-four million dollars from the league last year for TV and bowl money, and um, so they're going to they're going to do everything they possibly can to play. And if that means moving it to spring, I think that's what they'll do. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, was uh, just re- I was just reading a story uh, this morning about uh, Southern Cal, uh, USC. You know, they play in the Coliseum in L.A., and they're trying to figure out how they're going to uh, – they have determined that the most people that they can let in – and be socially distanced is twelve thousand people in a hundred thousand oh, wow. arena. How do you determine which twelve thousand get in? I guess it would be the family. It would be family of the players and coaches, and then the highest the people that give the most money would be my guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but it, there's all kinds of questions about it. Uh, you know, I just hope and pray every day that we that, that, that we get a vaccine sooner than later. No yeah. doubt about it. You know, Rick, the, the other big news, you know, as of late, COVID-19 is, is, is certainly out there. But here in Mississippi, we just recently uh, officially decommissioned the uh, state flag. Uh, and, you know, there's always been, uh, you know, the kind of pressure uh, and social justice pressure that's brought on by the sports world. What do, what do you think it means, you know, for Mississippi to make that change, particularly as it relates to, to college athletic and college athletic recruitment? Well, I think it's good for the state in every every which way, um, athletically, business-wise, just, I mean, you know, guys, I'm I'm 68 in October, and I think the first time I wrote about the need to get rid of the current flag was in 1983. Mm. Uh, Wow. Uh, wow. So, I mean, I've been fighting this fight, battle for a long time, and I'll be honest with you, I did not think I, I would be alive when it when it changed. I always have known it's got to change at some point, but I wondered whether I would live to see it, and uh, I, I can't believe uh, just how happy I am to see it change, uh, and I'm, I'm proud of the role that sports played in the momentum to get it changed. Uh, I, I don't think had it not had it not been for sports. I do think had it not been for sports, um, it would not have changed. I mean, I think mm-hmm. sports was one of the big players, uh, both the SEC and the NCAA. Um, uh, and Kylan Hill at Mississippi State, and um, mm-hmm. all our coaches and all our athletic directors and all our administrators who came down to the Capitol and uh, in a show of unity. Uh, I thought it was huge, and I'm, I'm I, I couldn't be happier about about the, the doing away with the flag, and you know, and I. People say, well, what do you want to be the next flag? And, you know, I'll be honest with you, I didn't care if it was a dirty wash rag. I just wanted to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, because, if, you know, we, we're, I mean, I know I'm speaking to the choir here, but we, we, we're a state that's almost 40% African American. And mm-hmm. anybody that does the least little bit of homework about that flag knows what it represents and why sure. it was adopted, uh, you know, 29 years after the Civil War ended. Sure. Uh, I mean, it's it's it, 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 it's a uh, it was a black mark on the state, and uh, I'm I'm glad to see it go away. You know, Rick, and, and and you mentioned you've been writing about this since 1983. But I, I mean, I, I'm curious. What, why do you think it took Greg Sankey to to sort of uh, drag Mississippi into the 21st century? Uh, I mean, to uh, really push the winds of change for the state. You know, I I, I wish I could answer that. I would. I mean, I, I 
uh, you know, I was one of those people back in 2001 that thought it was going to pass, that we were going to change it then. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, the, the fact that it was so one-sided with the referendum went so one-sided against changing the flag was uh, a huge uh, disappointment and, and, and wake-up call to me and to a lot of people, you know, a, a, a lot of forward-thinking Mississippians. Uh, and I, I don't know why it took that, but I do know that in this legislative session, it was dead in the water. It was not going in. The movement to to do away with the flag was not going anywhere. To first Sankey and then the NCA the very next day. Uh, that's what started the momentum, and that's when you know other groups, business leaders, uh, the Baptists uh, got on board and uh, made it happen. I'll I'll say this about about our state. Um, if you've got football and the Baptists on the same side, you've got a hell of a chance. Absolutely. And you mentioned the role that sports, that sports played uh, in this thing. And uh, y'all also mentioned Mississippi State running back Kylan Hill. And he was very vocal about the issue. And he spoke out on social media saying either change the flag or he wouldn't be representing the state anymore. It seemed like it gained even more steam after that. So, how significant was his statement in, in terms of bringing more national attention to it and pushing the move, movement forward? Because I don't recall a time where those many athletes were as vocal. Oh, I think it was huge. I think what Kylan did was uh, was big, and I think that his, the fact that his teammates and, and athletes from other schools, from the other schools in the state, backed him up on social media was also huge. I don't, I don't think there's... I mean, I, I I think there's a great possibility had it, had this not happened that you would have had several players transferring away from the Mississippi schools to out of state. Mm-hmm. I think we I think we certainly could have seen that. I do think you know I I do think that it's important for, and I, that people people's perceptions can be swayed so many ways, but, you know, at, at no, on no state-supported university campus has the state flag flown since 2016. You know, they, they, our universities quit flying a long time ago. So, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I applaud the universities for doing that, but I, I still don't blame uh, student athletes such as Kylan Hill for not wanting to represent a, a state where they flew a flag that um, it basically celebrates uh, the slavery of his ancestors. Let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. All right, and switching gears, Rick, I want to get your thoughts on something that is a hot topic amongst uh, DSU fans and beyond, and that's our stadium, Mississippi Veterans Memorial. Uh, Mississippi Veterans Memorial. Now we could do an entire show on the history of that of that stadium, but in a nutshell, 
how would you describe the importance or significance of the vet when telling the story of Mississippi sports from a historical standpoint? Oh, golly, so much history there. I mean, just so much history uh, has occurred in, in that stadium. Um, you know, it's where it's where Walter Payton played college football. So there's that. Uh, it was also, you know, where Archie Manning played football. It's where um, hmm. State, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, Ole Miss, all had some of their biggest victories. It's where, it's where uh, Mississippi Valley State and Alcorn played one of the most significant games in college football history, in my opinion. Uh, uh, um, you know, a game that was moved from Itabina to Jackson and drew 65,000 people being played on a Sunday opposite NFL football and actually outdrawing uh, NFL teams in the TV ratings. Uh, so, yeah, there's 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 so much so much history there. Not to, and then there, you know we had our high school championship games there forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just uh, it's tremendous. It, it, the history is tremendous. I just uh, structurally the place is still really sound. I mean, it needs cosmetic stuff. It needs a lot of cosmetic stuff, but uh, structurally it's really a, a sound stadium. Uh, you know, how the press box should have been destroyed <laughs> 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you can't, see, you, you can't see through the windows, which you can't open. Right. Uh, you, you're, you're fighting yellow jackets. You're sitting in metal folding chairs. Uh, yeah, I could go on and on about the press box. Uh, the air conditioning won't keep up with the heat in the September games. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I have, I have nothing but, uh, but fond memories other than that for that stadium. Uh, Golly, so much has happened there. I mean, I remember watching Steve McNair do magical things in that stadium. Uh, yeah, I, it, it, it's 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 a big part of Mississippi history. I don't sports history. I, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for. And, Rick, that kind of leads me into this question in terms of, I mean, stadiums, I mean, they are creatures of nostalgia. I mean, it's hard to let them go. And I know we see that, like, with a a structure like the Astrodome in Houston. But uh, what do you think, you know, the impact would be to Jackson if uh, Jackson State were to get their own stadium? Uh, Basically, if there wasn't a memorial stadium there in the middle of the city, uh, kind of what, what do you think that would look like for the city of Jackson? Well, it'd be great for Jackson State, you know, assuming it was a, uh, you know, a, I don't know. I, I don't know what the hopes are there now as far as having an, 
there's not a space on campus, actually, is there? I mean, they would need to. It would need to just be real close to campus. Mm-hmm. Is my understanding. I don't. I don't know that there's a place where you, you would have enough room for a stadium and parking. It's already pretty crammed together as it is. Um, um, but it'd be great for Jackson State. I, I, I've always been told. I've always assumed. I think I've reported it in the past that the long-term plan was for uh, you know for UNMC the medical center to eventually expand expand over there, and for Jackson State to have its own stadium near campus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, meanwhile, since that has been being discussed and, and uh, talked about for all these years, the cost of buildings, building stadiums has probably tripled, you know. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, so I don't, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I've, you know, I've talked to several football coaches at Jackson State through the years who, who actually love the idea of having a 60,000 seat stadium as a home stadium mm-hmm. at their, you know, at the uh, championship series division level. I mean, that, that, mm-hmm. is there any other team in, in uh, at that level that has a stadium like that in America? Maybe maybe I Yale. Guess. That might be the only yeah. one I can think of. Yeah, mm-hmm. the Yale Bowl would be one, yeah. Um, but Yale doesn't fill that one up uh, right. as mm-hmm. much as Jackson State has in the past at at, uh, at Memorial State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what the answer is, uh, uh, but I, it it does it does make sense for if if that land is needed for the medical facility. And uh, to expand that when whenever that happens, that the state somehow come up with the money to, for Jackson State to have a, its own facility closer to campus. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at one time they were even talking about a, uh, an indoor multi-purpose uh, facility, uh, which could work for the city of Jackson and uh, to, uh, you know, to draw big concerts and things like that. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, that's for, for, for minds that are a lot smaller than mine. Yeah. I think you're, I think you're hitting on the, on the right cylinders of it. It's, it's going to definitely, you know, have to take uh, some concerted effort from multiple parties. As, as much as an on-campus stadium you know, means to Jackson State, uh, yeah. that land is just as valuable to UNC, so there's a partner. Uh, and now yeah. with the flag coming down, and over the years you've always had these groups that didn't want to have events uh, you know, in the state uh, because of the flag. So now with that yeah. no longer being a barrier, uh, you, you have the opportunity to, to do something more in line uh, with than, our, than the current state coliseum by having a multi-purpose because they, you know, Chuck and I talk all the time about the AAC was, was designed around indoor track meets. You know, it was for basketball, but it, but it's an athletic and assembly center emphasis on assembly, not really basketball. So 
So some kind of yeah. multi-purpose venue in the city limits is good for the state. Uh, it's good for Jackson State, good for the city. But in this post-COVID-19 economy that we can imagine we're really bottom out, no one person can pull off something like that alone. So it's going to take no, everybody I, wanting to get to housing. It, it would have to be a city, county, state, uh, university uh, working together to do it. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. Uh, the, uh, you know, the state, the, the fact that the city of Jackson and, and the state of Mississippi's Coliseum is in such decrepit shape is uh, it's, it's, it's just so sad. I don't know any other way to say it. I mean, uh, you know, Ole Miss has been playing a game here every year, uh, a December game that they're not they, they're not going to do anymore. They just said it was too embarrassing to have it mm. to play, mm. and for their players to use those locker rooms. Have y'all been in those locker rooms? Oh yes, sir. It's it's yes. Mm-hmm. It's archaic at best. <laughs> that was even after, yeah, that was even after the renovation. Yeah, it's it's just just terrible, and you know the sound is terrible. Uh, the seating uh, for basketball is not not good at all. Uh, I mean, you know, the, the, the NHSA finally decided they just had to, you know, it, 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 it didn't suit them anymore. Mm-hmm. And that was a big mm-hmm. part of, uh, of Mississippi High School tradition is, like, you know, the kids from all the yellow buses coming to what they call mm-hmm. the big house and all that. But, uh, Right. Uh, you know, they have they have uh, better locker rooms in East of Butchie than they had Peter. You know, it's just it's it's just too outdated and, and uh I hate it, but that's just the way it is. No doubt. Rick, let me ask this question in terms of uh I mean, you've covered so much sports in the state of Mississippi and especially uh, covering these games in Mississippi Veterans Memorial Stadium. But uh, for a generation that's never physically watched Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, or Steve McNair play in Veterans Memorial, just kind of describe their game and the kind of electricity they brought to the stadium. Well, Walter, uh, who was a year he was a year younger than I. I. I grew up in Hattiesburg, and he grew up in Columbia, which is 26 miles away. And uh, uh, he, he still he is the single best all-around football player that I've ever seen uh, mm. play. I mean, he could he could run it. Uh, mm-hmm. He could throw it. He could catch it. He could kick it. Uh, <laughs> you know, he 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 would have been one of the greatest strong safeties of all time if somebody had been foolish enough to play him on defense. Wow! Uh, <laughs> just a you know, just one of the just a, just a tremendous athlete who who uh, was the epitome of a competitor. I mean, he 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 worked hard at it. He competed hard at it, and he was gifted all at the same time. And uh, uh, well, I don't know what more I say. So he's the best football player I've ever seen. 
Uh, Jerry no Rice is the best wide receiver I've ever seen, a leading leading receiver and uh, scorer in pro football history. Mm-hmm. Um, just uh, amazing. And people always ask me when I'm doing a, a, a interview with somebody on a national level, how did he end up at Mississippi Valley State? And you know, he Jerry was five foot eleven coming out of uh, high school, tiny, tiny high school, uh, and didn't run that fast. In fact, you know, when he ran the 40-yard dash at the Pro Combine, he ran four, I think four, six, seven, which is that's pretty fast for an ordinary human being, but it's not real fast for an NFL wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was just, uh, he ran precise routes. He worked at it, and he had the best hands ever, I guess. Uh, he just, uh, tremendous. You know, his brother played at uh, Jackson State. Tom yes, Rice. Tom Rice. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah, so it, it actually came down from between Jackson State and Mississippi Valley, and I think he chose Valley because they, they were going to throw the ball more, you know. Did they ever? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. It was it was amazing to watch. I covered three of his Super Bowls. Uh, he was MVP in one of them and could have been the MVP in all three of them. He was mm-hmm. just just a remarkable player. Uh, and then McNair, uh, you know, I first saw him when he was a 16-year-old junior at Mount Olive playing in the state championship game. And uh, he he kicked off to start the game, and he kicked off straight, you know, straight ahead. He, he, he didn't play soccer. He, he wasn't a soccer-style kicker, so he kicked straight ahead, and he kicked the ball through the end zone. And he never came <laughs> out of the game. He made just about every tackle on defense. Uh, he uh, threw a touchdown, ran a touchdown, and caught a touchdown in a 21 to 16 state championship victory. Wow. And I'll, I'll never forget my, the last line of my column was, uh, "Remember that name, Owen Stevie McNair, because they called him Stevie back then." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and then he went on to uh, to Alcorn and set the all-time NCAA total offense record. Uh, just, just a remarkable, remarkable athlete. Uh, Should have won the Heisman. I mean, he yeah. mm-hmm. he, he, mm-hmm. he, he he won the. Uh, I mean. He, the guy who won it was Rashawn Salah, and uh, Steve was a better runner than he was, and, and not to even mention, not, not, not to even bring in the passing part of it, he was a better runner than Salah. Um, I'll never forget, I was up in New York for that Heisman uh, and the press conference the day before. We were sitting around a table, and Warren sat. They went from went, the question to the, each of the candidates was who should win this Heisman, and when it got to Warren Sapp, and he said, "Man, 
have y'all seen film of this guy? And he pointed at Steve McDerry and said, there's no way he shouldn't win. And uh, <laughs> I think he was right. He should have won. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was one of two uh, SWAT players that I voted for for the Heisman, the other being uh, Jerry Rice. Uh, Jerry Rice, uh, his senior year was the year that uh, Doug Flutie won it. Mm. Uh, and, you know, Flutie was a great college player, but he, you know, let's face it, he was not Jerry Rice. Um, right. You know, so uh, yeah, but they, they, those three were those three were pretty remarkable, and there've been other great SWAT players that uh, that I've covered through the years uh, at Memorial Stadium, including uh, Jimmy Smith, who still mm-hmm. ranks in the top, I think, five or six receivers in NFL history. Uh, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and from my hometown, Harold Jackson, uh, he retired yes, the third, the third leading receiver in uh, in NFL history. Uh, you know, Willie Totten threw a whole lot of completed passes for touchdowns too at, at Valley. Yes, uh, he did. And Jackie Slater's maybe the best offensive lineman in history. And he, you know, he he played there, blocked for Walter there. Um, you know, the, the Walter's senior year at Jackson State, I came up here from Hattiesburg with his agent, Bud Holmes, uh, for the senior day, uh, Walter's senior year, and there were uh, there were twenty four Jackson State seniors who were considered pro prospects. Wow, <laughs> I mean that's how many guys that they had running, running the forty and bench pressing and all that. I mean it was and and you know, two of the first five picks in the draft were Walter and uh, Robert Brazil. Robert Brazil, mm-hmm. yeah, and Ricky Young was uh, in that class too. It was amazing how many how many uh, you know. Let's face it, guys. The, 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 The guys that are, are uh, going in the first round now from the SEC, they used to play in the SWAT. Mm-hmm. Their daddies yes. and granddaddies yes, played in the SWAT. I mean, that's just, yes, that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. And that was that's you know attaching that back Rick, to what you mentioned about Colin Hill and his and his uh, flag stance and and yeah. had the bluff been called. You know, you're seeing now uh, uh, even in the wake of all the other social justice issues. Uh, uh, police uh, murders and uh, all the way to the to the flag vote in Mississippi. You're seeing uh, at least in a social media footprint, or in a, a I guess a better way to term it in PR, is that a lot of kids now are talking about uh, going to HBCUs or going to the SWAG or going to Jackson State instead. So it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how that all that unfolds with the rich history of the conference or the conferences when you include the even the MEAC, uh if that growth or that return is going to happen with that high level of caliber athlete uh, going back to HBCUs? Well, we'll see. Uh, it's, you know, the whole, the thing that, that they, the HBCUs will have to, to 
counter is the fact, you know, the TV and the facilities and all that. That's, that's a hard nut to crack. It is. Yeah. I tell you, mm-hmm. I was at uh, uh, the house that Rube, that Rube built over the sports museum one night, and, and Coach W.C. Gorman was speaking, and this same subject came up, and, and you know, folks were touching on, on the facilities and the TV dollars, and, and Coach stood up. He said, look, all that's fine and dandy, but I'm, it, that's not what they got over. What they got over is they got three meets. And so everybody looked puzzled, and he said, you know, when you go to the cafeteria at some of these schools, they got three meets. You can choose from from chicken or, or beef or fish. We only got one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> and so he says, don't focus on the facilities. That's too much money. Just get us three meats and we can recruit all day. <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of when Sammy Winder, uh, you know, he's the great player from Southern Miss that played for the Denver mm-hmm. Broncos forever. Uh, who uh, transferred to Southern Miss. Uh, from Mississippi Valley State, and on his recruiting visit to Southern Miss, he was going through the lunch line, and uh, they asked him what, what, he said, I'll have the chicken, and he said, can I have a piece of, uh, can I have dark meat, and they said, no, you get a whole chicken here. <laughs> he said, I, I made up my mind right there, and that's where I was going to go. He said, a whole chicken for me? <laughs> so, yeah, that is, I mean, that, that, that is, I'm sure that is a, a, a factor. Uh, it, it was for Sammy Winder. You know, when you talked about uh, Rick about the uh, about Rice and, and Peyton and, and McNair, one of the things I want to ask you, and I, I think I heard your answer, uh, but with this being a, a di love Jackson State, I'm, I'm leading in giving some segue hints. Uh, you know, a podcast <laughs> that's all about 1400 Lynch Street. I was going to ask you uh, out of Alcorns McNair and Valley's Rice or Jackson State's Peyton. Uh, who was the who was the best you got to see you know play, but I want I think I heard your answer, but but uh, I think the folks need to hear it directly. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, 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 <laughs> Walter Payton is the best best football player I've ever seen. Um, mm. If you if you if you take into every every aspect of the game, uh, he he. He's the best football player I've ever seen. Uh, uh, Jerry Rice is the best wide receiver I've ever seen, and Steve McNair is the most exciting football player I've ever seen. How about that? Mm. Awesome answer. Awesome Fair answer. Enough. You know, I, exactly. Rick, well, let me ask, uh, and, and you were executive director of the of the Mississippi Sports uh, uh, Hall of Fame museum. Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, yeah, yes, sir. And, and I wanted to – Kind of ask. I mean, I'm I'm always amazed as I walk through there. Uh, each time I'm, I'm in Jackson, I, I make a trip to go in there. But uh, are there things in there that that, that continue to, to catch your eye as 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 you walk through there? Because it is a cornucopia, if you will, of just everything within the state, and uh, it's uh, it's well put together. But uh, are there things that that are especially close to you in there? Well, 
Well, my my favorite part of of the whole place is the the kiosk, the touchscreen kiosk, where you can uh, like like touch Walter Payton's name and watch highlights of him playing and um, hear interviews with him and his teammates. Uh, same, I mean, if you. It's not only the individuals, it's big plays in Mississippi history. You can touch the uh, the 1984, 1983 Expo uh, and see the kick that Artie Cosby made that got blown, uh, you know, 65-mile-an-hour gust of wind blew back from the goalposts and Decided, the hand of God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, I interviewed Emory Blard after that game, and I, I I started it out by saying, Coach, I don't know what to say. I don't even know what to say and what what even to ask. And he said, well, I'll tell you what you can say. He said, you can put this in your dadgum newspaper. God just decided that Mississippi State was not going to win this game. <laughs> and, and you know, I mean, he certainly he certainly had a point there. Uh, it was it was miraculous to say the least. Uh, but that's my point being that you can you can watch the greatest athletes, you can watch the greatest moments uh, in Mississippi sports history right there. It's at, it's at your fingers, uh, and it's a pretty it's a pretty neat thing to do. And I can go in there. I can go in there and punch in Ace Cleveland, who was my dad, and I uh, can hear him talk. Which is uh, oh, wow. he's been gone. He's been gone now for uh, ninety six for twenty four years. So it's it's pretty special for for me to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I I never I never enter that building when I don't have a good time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It, it is well put together, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, half Owen, half and Hilda Owen at Communication Arts were the original, um, and Bud Holloman, who had his own architecture for him. Uh, they were the three people that really designed uh, the and came up with the whole concept for that. Um, for that museum, and it and it still stands up uh, with all the sports museums I've seen across the country. And uh, nope. proud of the fact that in Mississippi, where uh, you know, in other states, like even states like Florida and Texas, that uh, the museums have either shut down, sports museums have either shut down or or uh, or shortened their hours. Uh, or shorten the amount of day, or you know, cut back on the amount of days that they're open. And but in Mississippi, it's you know we're we're still rocking along and uh, open six days a week, fifty-two weeks a year when there's not a coronavirus. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. All right. And can you uh, let our listeners know uh, where they can reach your work nowadays, or perhaps even follow you on social media? be glad to. I'm, I'm, I'm right now for uh, MississippiToday.org, right, two or three columns a week. 
uh, wrote about ten columns about the Mississippi State flag in the last month. Uh, uh, but yeah, it's a, it, MississippiToday.org. It's a it's a um, relatively new. It started in 2016. In my opinion, it covers the state, um, state government, and politics better than any other news source. Um, I'm a one-man sports operation, and I kind of like that. Uh, And that's what I'm doing now. Uh, I'm enjoying it, still enjoying doing what I've been doing now since I was 13. I started working at the Hattiesburg American as a 13-year-old, so that really means I've been doing it for 54 years. Wow, um, wow. Yeah, that's a lot of history. Mm-hmm. A lot of history, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it has been an honor. We definitely want to thank you for your time. This episode has been one for the history book. Uh, that's both literally and figuratively. So, again, we thank you so much for coming on with us. Well, I appreciate y'all inviting me. Uh, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thank appreciate you. Appreciate it, Ray. All right. Y'all take care. Sure thing. You too. And that'll do it for episode 49 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple users, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Twitter. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you. Downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook and Twitter pages. As always, thank you for your support. Go Tigers! Hashtag Love. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done.